The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We say hi to our favorite Husker lineman, longtime NFLer, Jeremiah Searles. Searles in his Husker and uh, football den. Searles, what's good, man? Good to spend time with you. Have, you. have you achieved getting Bambi yet? Not yet, but my dad is headed into town, and we are going out tonight to go ahead and start chasing some deer and seeing what we can do. Saw some big boys show up on cam last night, so that is all exciting stuff the weather took a shift from yesterday when it was 75 degrees so it's getting a little cooler which is all nice and good so we are on our way fresh into deer season that is all good i was whining to you off air junior turned 16 today and uh his vehicle uh i'm i'm, I'm sifting through and you just shook your head and said schmidt should have got him an 04 honda yeah man you get those 04 civics they just can't die is that what you, you drove know, your first car I drove a 1999 F-150 bench seat, five-speed on the floor, nice. no power windows, no air conditioning. It was my dad's old work truck, mm-hmm. and that thing went through hell and back and never quit on me. I ended up turning it in for $500. <laughs> Reminds me of the, uh, the story of uh, Andy Janovich when he was playing with the Broncos. Yeah. Still driving his old Ford. I think it was a Ford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still driving it and said, yeah, I just spend all my money on hunting gear and chew. Yeah, yeah. After, <laughs> that's a good priority, quite frankly. After my after my first year in the league, uh, I came back home and drove it. And I drove out to meet Emma. She was in, uh, where was she at? Wichita, Washburn. She was at Washburn. And we drove out to watch the Super Bowl there. And on my way home, the heater went out in my truck. And it was like minus 20 out. Mm. And I was driving in my full Carhartt, like gloves on, hat on. And then my windshield wiper fluid stopped working. And so... I started using like the Propel bottle with the windshield, and I'm yeah. driving home like, yep, that's it. I'm done. I play in the NFL now, getting a new truck, <laughs> and drove to Woodhouse the next day and got a brand new F-150. Look at you, Searles. I love it. Hey, 
first big boy purchase. There, there you go. Well, uh, Junior's going to be uh, be working. He may be scooping snow for you if you're. Well, uh, I got I got dog poop that needs to be picked up, so he's welcome anytime. Okay. Well, once he starts doing it at home, maybe we'll send him your way. <laughs> uh, big weekend. Uh, speaking of not wanting to, to to miss step in different spots, mm. going to be a little difficult on Saturday for the boys, isn't it? Oh, just slightly. You know, I think that the line was 29 and a half when I uh, first looked at it. And I don't know if it's moved since, but I think that that's a very accurate line. And this, that just, ooh, I mean, that's just awful to think about that. We are almost 30 point dogs to a Big Ten team. And granted, Michigan may be one of the better teams in the country, but it just shows where we're at as a program right now. And it's just really, it's not going to be pretty. There's just no way. I, I don't think there's any way the Huskers can win this game. Nope. And uh, do you worry about fight? We were talking with Vokalek earlier this week, and I trust his his radar. And, and he's like, look, we're fighters. You're supposed to say that. Totally get it. But he's a guy that I don't think will let other guys fold. I don't see that. You guys didn't have some of the best seasons. You had good seasons, don't get me wrong, but you had those kind of tipping point ball games, right, where – you were close, and had you won at Michigan State, for instance, you're, you're probably playing for, for another Big Ten championship opportunity, right? right? You guys always would bounce back after a tough outing. And and this team's now working on a, a few game-losing streaks, and, and they've been a part of it. I mean, everyone in this locker room's not had that nine-win, eight-win season. I mean, they've yeah. they, they at least won two in a row this year. That's great, but man, it's it's really a death march right now. It is, and you know, and it's easy to say we're fighters because we are. We're all ultimate competitors. Everyone who plays at the collegiate level, the NFL level, I mean, any level, you're an ultimate competitor. You're an elite. You're an elite athlete, and so there is no quit in you. But what there is in you is doubt. There's doubt, and doubt is a terrible thing because whether you want it there or not, it lives there. Because if you don't know what it is to overcome and it, what it means to bounce back and win those big games, and there's always that piece of you that's like, here we go again. You know, I thought maybe we were going to get past that point this season, but I really just don't think we are. And that's just because not enough people on the team have been in those shoes. You know, not enough guys that are leaders have been able to step up and say, hey, no, it doesn't have to be like this. We win close games. We win big games, you know. But I think that we talked, I talked about on the podcast this week with Jessica Cootie, you know, it's it's along the lines of if you go into this game already defeated, like you have no shot. Now, it's one thing to go in and be realistic about where we are as a team, but you can't walk into this game as a player, as a, as a whole, and think, man, we're just going to get killed, which I worry at times could be partially part of this team's psyche. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, when you look across at what Michigan has, I think that 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 mentality could seep into the program. And we talk offensive line. So I got a, a Michigan defensive lineman. I want to get your take on because it's the task that the offensive line faced this week. Mozzie Smith. He's a guy who's been eating up double teams all season long. And he was preseason number one on the athletics freak list in college football. But let's take you through the numbers. 22 reps on the bench press, uh, but that's not 225. That's 325 pounds for 22 reps. Uh, a 441 shuttle, a 6953 cone drill, and they also had to build a modified jammer machine, which I'm not sure if, if you can explain that, that machine, Searles, but yep. they, they had to make a modified one that went up to 400 pounds on each side for this guy. He, he's ridiculous, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out how the Husker offensive line is going to deal with a guy like that. 
Well, all I know is Casey Thompson. If I'm him, I'm going, ow, I hurt one more week because I don't really feel like dying on Saturday. You know, I have Chubba and Logan. Like, if you're listening, pals, life insurance, eight, like State Farm, Jake, like call one of those people because it, it could get ugly. Wow. Like this Michigan D-line is really freaking good. You know, I put them up there against Bama's and the Georgia's and what they're doing from top to bottom, from pass rushing to stopping the run is fantastic. And, you know, you look at the Husker offensive line that has been less than subpar. I mean, there was multiple times last week where, again, it looked like a race to the quarterback for off the edges and the DNs are hitting each other at nine yards and we're not getting a ton of push in the run game. But then there's other times where we look like we were doing OK, you know, but the definition of a bad offensive line is inconsistency. And that's what we are. We're inconsistent and we're more consistently bad than good. And, you know, those are just things that aren't. But that guy is just an absolute freak show. He's going to go on to make a ton of money in the NFL. He's going to go on to be a very high draft pick. And, you know, you got to take care of a guy because he can wreck a game before it even starts if you let a guy like that get going. Searles, the, the thing that stuck out to me many with Mickey this week was being okay with three to four yard runs. And mm-hmm. I love that opening script. I like the double tight. I love that Grant busted one for almost 40 to start. And it was downhill. Nebraska looked like they could run the ball. Now, Nebraska's had a problem for a lot of years of running the football when they have to run the football. But they abandoned the thing before they needed to, I guess, is the way to put it against Minnesota. You're up, that's what's miraculous is you're up on that team with their backup coming in and you're up 10, which has got to feel like, you know, almost three scores. Excuse me, and they and they flip it around on you. I mean, a hell of a coaching job for Minnesota and finding a way. And I know that pains you, but they 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 earned it in the second half last week. But Nebraska just can't can't do it or won't do it. Running running the football, and they, they've got to they got to be comfortable with just holding on to it and kind of playing some smash mouth. As hard as that sounds here Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and yeah, all credit to P.J. Fleck and that staff. You know, they rode that boat real hard in the second half, and it, and it worked <laughs> out. But, you know, for the Michigan game, and here's what here's what pains me a little bit about our offense, Schmitty, and I'm not going on a little tangent here, but I think that Mark Whipple is a fantastic scripter and opening play caller. But what I've come to realize is here's what Mark Whipple is. He's an old-school coach, and he's a box checker. And what I mean by that I played with coaches before. This is not a knock on Whipple. This I played with a lot of coaches that are like this. They have their script. And if they have success with plays within the opening script, they won't go back to those plays until they have checked off all of the boxes on that script. And sometimes what happens is by the time you get back to what was successful after you've checked off all these other boxes, the defense has already made the adjustment and now it's no longer a successful thing. You know, I think the great coordinators and the newer coordinators and the, the, the minds of football of, that are doing great things are, okay, yes, we have our openers. This was early. Let's keep hammering that, and then we'll get to our openers. Like, it doesn't have to be considered down the list of how things go. I think Coach Whipple is a box check, old school. We're going to just knock off all the openers because when you see the success we had running the football downhill, and then we didn't do it again, and then all of a sudden we tried to come back to it when nothing else was working – then it's no longer successful. 
I think Mark Whipple and this staff has to be able to say, this is successful right now. Let's keep doing it until they stop us, and then we'll pivot, and then we'll shift, and then they have to game plan against us, and it's no longer us trying to game plan against them, and then we may have some success with this offense. Now, against Michigan, it's not going to matter. They're just much better than us. But when you start talking about teams like Wisconsin and Iowa, like you have to go into games with so much better game plans than what we've had the last couple times. Jeremiah Searles with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Searles, you mentioned the fact that Michigan is just that much better. So do you expect to see, you know, I don't want to say a white flag mentality, but if Nebraska gets down early in this football game, do you think they start keeping some of their cards close to their chest? You know, maybe keeping in a quarterback like Chubb or Logan, even though they might not be finding success, just to say, you know what, let's let's keep some things close to our chest before Wisconsin and Iowa. Is it, is it just too far gone in the season for anything like that? I mean, yeah, it, it's too far gone to have anything close to the chest. You know, unless you want to put in a completely special, like, different – kind of gimmicky package then yeah sure, I, I, I guess I guess the question I'm, I'm referring to is going to a more quarterback run heavy system with a guy like Logan Smothers I think Logan should start personally mm-hmm. I think that if Casey Thompson doesn't start Logan Smothers should be QB1 and should get his opportunity it's been a long time since Iowa where he had his one opportunity to go out there and take care of the entire game and do his thing we saw what Chubba could do last week last week it was not great you know, so let's give Logan an opportunity. Granted, it's against that freaking werewolf of a defense, but let's see what he can do. And let's start building for next year. You know, I, I'm already kind of on the mentality of like, let's build for next year because this year, let's face it, we're not going to a bowl game. You know, so let's see what the young cat can do. Let's see how he's developed and let's see what this offense could look like if he's back there, you know, because we just don't know what the plan is with Casey. So there's a lot going on back there, but I think that Logan should get a, a, a fair shake over the last three weeks here. Let's go into the mind of Trev here for a moment and and talk about the the coaching position and you know Mickey's context is important. We've kind of always prefaced what we're saying with this is a really tough hand that's been dealt to Mickey and he's navigated, he's managed, he's motivated and Nebraska until things went sideways, they were in it against Illinois. They had a great plan and got out of the gate well against Minnesota. I just couldn't finish or play four quarters that he talked about. As you look at Mickey, do you think he's – what do you weigh more, the the situation he's been in or where they finish with with the way they they end the year, three and nine, four and eight, five and seven, whatever it may be? How are you – Judging, how are you looking at, at this opportunity for Mickey when it comes to outside hire versus Mickey's the guy? You know, I think I think Trev in the back of his mind knows that he needs to go outside hire. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to give Mickey a fair shot, but I do think Mickey's facing an uphill battle from the beginning just because of everything that's gone on. And I just don't think Trev can look at the state of this Husker program right now and say a first-time head coach is what we need. You know, the first time guy that's going to be at the helm is what's going to right the ship here. And I think for Mickey, a lot of what he's done is done really good things. But I also think he's proven that he doesn't want to go anywhere. You know, my hope would be that if someone comes in, Mickey wants to stay around. Mm -hmm. You know, I think he's a great recruiter. I think he's a really good coach. I don't know. Maybe he could be a coordinator. I'm not 100% sure. But I think that a new head coach would be really dumb to come in and just axe Mickey Joseph. Now, a lot of it's going to be dependent on what he wants. I think that's going to be more of a Mickey call than what a new head coach comes in here and wants. But I think that it's going to be a lot based off of how he handles the rest of this year, how he has the team prepared, not necessarily the product on the field, but are they prepared? Are they doing things right? Are everyone doing things in the week better than they have been? Do you think this team, does it look better? 
at times. You know, I think at times, I think that our defense looks a lot better than it did early in the season. I think a lot of that has to do with they're playing more free and they're playing mm-hmm. more foot on the gas. But the problem is our guys run out of gas in the fourth quarter because we just don't have the depth. Ty Robinson played like a machine for three and a half quarters. And then the last, last, I mean, the last fourth quarter there, he just was gassed. And you don't, we just don't have the depth of like rotate guys in to keep guys like Ty and Feast and those guys fresh. We're just asking them to play too many snaps. Do you see pieces and potential in that offensive line room for whoever comes in? Yeah, I mean, you get Nuri back, you get Teddy back. There's two instant starters back. You know, you have now Henry Lutovsky, who's struggled at times this year, but he's now got experience. Uh, you know, you've got some pieces there. I do worry about the depth as far as developmental guys, guys that are young, freshmen, sophomores. That I mean, I looked at some of our depth on the sideline. I was like, oh, you don't look like Big Ten O-linemen to me, fellas. You know, and so there's not a lot of depth there. So I do worry about that. But I think that the bones for an instant upgraded O-line is still there. So before we get you out of here, let's quickly go some NFL, if you don't mind, because the Bills dropped a, a tough one over the weekend. The Jets might be for real, but I, I think the bigger story from that game is Josh Allen and his health moving forward. Yeah, man. UCL, I was there in 2018 when he did something similar to his elbow, missed a few games, and old Nate Peterman had to come in. So, you know, it's just, I'll tell you this, I think that the Vikings have a really good shot going into Buffalo and beating them if Josh Allen's out. You know, I think that that's a team that is hitting on strides right now, but yeah, the Jets are for real, dude. The defense, the Jets' defense is for real. If their offense can be serviceable and not turn the ball over, they can win some football games. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Searles, uh, get a uh, big old buck with your pop, and uh, and let us know if you need help with any of that deer jerky, bud. Absolutely will do, guys. As always, go Big Red. Good stuff from Jeremiah Searles and uh, Husker Insider with us. Good to get his take on things. Gary Barnett, he's coached a lot of ball get his take on whip and mickey and michigan and some college football weekend reminder about your friends at currency for all your equipment financing needs go currency chris schmidt elijah herbal and uh, can send emails as always to the show chris at hailvarsity.com gary barnett on the way with hail varsity